So today we're learning Daf Lamed in Masechet Eruvin. We're uh, on Kaftet Amud Bet, about five lines from the bottom of that Amud. Amar Rav Yudam Ashmuel, Kol Sheu Liftan Kedel Lecholbo, Kol Sheino Liftan Kedel Lecholemenu. So I had mentioned this the other day, this halacha. That when you're making a Ruvet Chumin, there are two types of foods. You can use any kind of food, really, but there are two classes of foods. One is a food that is a main dish, and if it's a main uh, dish, so then the amount that you need, when we talk about mazon shtei udot, we always say the measurement for Ruvet Chumin is the amount that you would eat at two meals. But the question is, what kind of a food is it? If it's a main dish, so then the amount you eat at two meals is more, because it's a main dish. If, you're, if you use a side dish as your Ruvet Chumin, meaning you put at the spot where you want to establish your place, uh, uh, the 2,000 amot outside of the city, you place their chumus uh, or something, something which is a condiment. It's not the main food. So the amount that you use of chumus, let's say, in a meal is not going to be the same amount of meat that you eat at the meal because meat is the main dish and the chumus or whatever is a side dish. So it says anything that is liftan. Liftan means like a condiment. So then it's kedele cholbo. The amount that you need is like the amount that you would eat with it other things. Um, like I had mentioned in the community that I lived in where we had, uh, where we had mustard. We always use mustard for Ayurved Chumein because mustard was the, was, is a condiment. So you don't need as much of it to cover each person because, the, um, because you don't eat so much mustard. You put a little bit of mustard. But if you use meat or bread then, and you're using it for more than one person, then you're going to need a lot more for an Ayurved Chumein. So that's what it says. So, uh, so then the question becomes like this. Basar tzali, if you have, oh, I'm sorry, basar chai. If you have raw meat, kedele cholemenu. So I guess like steak tartare or something like that. You know, like obviously it had to be salted or something, but it's a main dish if you were to eat raw meat. So then you would be, the amount, you, the amount that you would need is two meals, but as a main dish. Basar tzali, but if it's roasted, rabama kedele cholbo. Rabba says roasted meat was considered like a, like a side dish. Like, you know, when they come in the, in the weddings and they give you those little uh, strips of uh, meat. Like, they ate it with bread. It wasn't considered the main food. The main food was the bread. So he says you only need the amount that you would eat with bread. But Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef said, no, that you have to imagine that the meat is the main course, not something that you're eating with bread. And therefore you would need like the size of a steak or something like that. It wouldn't be enough to have a little bit that you would wrap in bread. Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, where do I get the idea that, uh, that actually meat is the main dish, the roasted meat? Because it says, the because the Persians, he said, because the they would eat strips of meat. The Persians would eat strips of meat without bread. And so obviously it is an independent food. It is a meal in and of itself. And therefore, if you're going to use this roasted meat, you have to have enough that it could be a meal in its own right without bread. It's not good to have just the amount that you would need with bread. Are you telling me that because the Persians did this, they're the majority of the world and therefore everybody should also accept that? I mean, that that's val- valid in every culture. That's only one culture. Right, Vietnam, we learned in the Mishnah, that when it comes to measuring the amount of cloth, that is mekabil tum'ah. So, so a, the size that is significant to a poor person, which is three by three etzbaot, three by three fingers dimension uh, for a poor person, um, so that's what is mikabel tuma for them, and And similarly, the clothing, uh, the begadim, the, the garments of a wealthy person for a wealthy person, meaning that a wealthy person will only consider it significant when it's three by three tfachim. Anything less than that, they'll throw in the garbage. A poor person will keep a smaller scraps; they're not going to throw it away, right? But the uh, but we wouldn't say that the standard 
for poor people is like the standard of rich people. Rashi says, We don't need such large clothing, for, pieces of cloth, rather, for anim, for poor pers- uh, per- people to be considered uh, subject to the laws of Tumah, because for a poor person, even a smaller piece is already significant. And similarly, Rashi says, Rashi says, even though for the Persians, this roasted meat is not a side dish, it is a main dish, since for us it is a side dish, we can go with even a smaller amount and say that even a few pieces of meat is enough because if you were to have it with bread, that would be considered a meal for you. That's the way that they're, that in terms of maybe you'll say, no, we're just being stringent. And by the laws of Tumah, we're being stringent and saying that even a smaller garment is significant for the poor person because that is a Chumrah. And when we're talking about Eruv uh, Tchumin, we should also be stringent and say that it's not good enough unless you have a larger amount. And since there are some people who eat the roasted meat as, an, as a separate uh, as a separate uh, a meal. So therefore we should be stringent and say that's the amount that you need to constitute a Rovet Chumein. Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar Omer, that you can make an eruv for a sick person or an elderly person, just the amount that he eats. In other words, we don't say that you have to put the amount that a healthy person would eat. You could put even a less amount. And a person who eats a lot, you don't have to go so crazy just because the guy usually eats 20 hamburgers at every meal. You don't have to put 20 hamburgers, you put what a regular person would eat. So the point is that you see from here that, we, that for a sick person or elderly person, we say, oh, since they eat less, we're more lenient with them, and yet we're not more strict with the person who eats more and say that he has to put more for his Eruv Tchumin. So therefore you see that we're lenient. And so therefore, since in our culture we always eat the meat with bread, according to Rabbah saying that, we always eat the meat with bread, wrapped in bread like shawarma or something like that. So you only need the amount of meat, meat that would go with the bread. You don't need the amount of meat that you would eat by itself. And Kashia, that's a difficulty for Rav Yosef, who was claiming otherwise. Is that really true that Rabbi Shimon ben Alazar makes such a general statement that we don't, um, uh, about adapting, that we, that we don't adapt to someone who is uh, uh, bigger, smaller. He says, Now this is a halacha, referring to a dead body <coughs> that has to be removed from a room. So generally speaking, what we say is that if there are multiple exits from a room, entrances, exits from a room, so, and they, they lead into hallways. So obviously whatever body the dead person is, whatever room the body is located in is going to become tamay because of the presence of the dead body, but we, um, but also whatever like hallway we're going to be taking him out by, that area also will automatically become tamay if we know we're taking him out that way. If there are multiple choices to choose from, so then uh, potentially all of them could be, unless we decided in advance that we're going to be taking the body out from a certain exit. So then that area on the outside is already going to become tamay, even though we haven't taken him out that way yet. That's the rabbinic rule that they made just to, uh, for uh, concerns of confusion and things like that, that automatically whichever area they're going to be taking him out that's going to be uh, automatically tamay. And so it says, what if Og Melech Habashan died? Now, this is not talking about actually Og Melech Habashan because he died a long time ago. But what it means is that uh, if a large person died, so there's no way to take him out. So it says, Pitchokim Lo'o, that um, his opening is like his full stature. So Rashi says, If you want to save all the other doors, 
you need to have a door that's actually big enough to take him out. And if you don't, in other words, he's saying that all exits, even if they're too small, in other words, if there's one that actually matches the guy's size, so fine. But if there's no one exit that act, matches his size, they're all small. So uh, we're going to say all of those exits are, uh, are tame also. Right? So you see from that that he's saying that, um, that we look at the size of the individual. And if the person's very, very large, it does impact the halakha. So why is it that he said, if a person's very large and they eat 20 hamburgers, we don't say that they need to put 20 hamburgers for their erovet chumin? Because here you see that we look at the guy's size. Va'abaye, there's a whole question why it says va'abaye here, because abaye wasn't in the discussion before. And so some people say, no, it, it's, uh, it means that abaye was just commenting here. But it, 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 so va'abaye, it usually is when he's responding to a critique, but he's not really saying that, he's just answering. He's saying, hatab echile there's a difference between the two because in the case of Erovet Chomin, we're trying to establish an amount of food that's significant. But when we're talking about the dead body being removed, it's a practical matter. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Cut it up. We're going to carry him out. Uh, and uh, uh, you know we're going to uh, uh, have to chop him up and take him piece by piece. We can't do that. In other words, in a case where there's no practical way to take him out, so then we can't assign one of these exits as the exit that we're taking him out. That's, it's a practical thing. The, the halacha only applies to the exit you're going to take him out. And if there's no exit that you can actually take him out, so Rabbi Shimon, Shimon is saying you have to basically say that every exit is tamay because they're all equally uh, not good enough or, or all equally one of them is going to have to be uh, adjusted to get him out. There's no other way to get him out. But right? Why so, does it have to be the size of the person? You can come and put him horizontal and just take him. You don't have enough space to take him out. It's saying that there's nothing wide enough for him to go out because he's so big. He's oh, He's huge. Right? So, by the way, they asked a question like this. Did the rabbis agree or disagree with the statement of Rabbi Shemobin that in order to assign the Tum'at to one exit, it has to be as large as the actual person. Otherwise, all of the exits are equally to me. So it says, You see that Rabbi Yochanan himself said that meaning a very large person dies. So that any door that is for Tvachim wide, that's enough that it's going to become Tameh for him. So that meaning if there's a door, the door is for Tvachim wide, that's it. Even though you're not really going to be able to get him out of there unless you like take the hinges off and uh, I don't know what else you're going to have to do to break down the door to get him out. But if there's a four Tefach doorway, that's, that doorway is going to become Tameh. So you see that the, apparently from the fact that Rabbi Yochanan is saying that he's disagreeing with Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, but he himself can't disagree with Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar because he is not a Tana. He's implying that there must be the other rabbis disagreed with Rabbi Shem ben Elazar and Rabbi Yochanan is endorsing their view and saying, no, we don't wait to find a door that is the size of this person who died. We just say that whichever door is a normal size, that's going to be the one that gets the tum'ah. Right? So, I didn't understand what you said. That's a good question. Yeah. It's a very good question. I have no idea. I, I would say that uh, maybe, you know, like some, some of these people, like they, had the, they have certain cases of people who are very, very obese and they can't get them out of the house. How did they end up like that? Because they never left the house. They, but he was maybe there for 10 years eating, uh, eating a lot and he became very large and then by the end he couldn't get out. It's probably, I mean, but it's a good question. Very good, very good question. I assume that's what happened. Anyway, but it says, what's the difference? So it says, so it says no, you don't have to say there's actually a machloket because that in the case of Rabbi Shimon Al-Azhar, there were lots of little openings. Okay. In other words, we know that if the person is, uh, is so large, 
there, there are many, if, there, if all of the doorways were equal size and you were going to have to open one of them to have him go out. So there, clearly, there is no, uh, there, there's no reason to favor one doorway over the other because any doorway is equally candidate for being opened up. But Rabbi Shimon al-Azhar is talking about a situation where, the, um, where the, there's, all the other openings are small and there's only one that's really a candidate for, uh, for bringing him out. Right? And so therefore, since there's only one that's a candidate for bringing him out, so we know that, that in other words, the largest one is the one you're going to open more in order to bring the body out. So that's why we would focus on that one uh, exit. But in a case where, let's say, all of them, Rashi says, In other words, since there's only one that is for Tfachim, Large, so there, therefore, um, we're in the case of Rashi Al-Azhar, we're going to say that's the one you're going to open up. But if all of them were the same, Rashi says, whatever it was, if they were, we don't know which one you're going to expand more, so it, it we can't assign the tum'ah to one or the other, okay? But when there's not even one, okay, and and therefore we're not going to be able to identify, uh, we're not going to be able to identify, none of them is better than the other, so then there's no way to uh, to zero in on one over the other, but when there's one that's larger than the others, there we're going to say that, so in, in other words, what they're saying is that if there's only one door and it's fourth Tfachim, so obviously you're going to take him out of that door and you're going to have to open it wider, right? In the case where they are, uh, where there's no, t- where there's multiple small doors and there's one door that's larger, so then again, you know that that's the one that you're going to take him out of because it is the, uh, it, it's the best candidate for opening it a little bit wider. But when you have a situation where they're all equal, so there is where, where Rabbi Shemar al-Azhar is implying that you, you know, you wouldn't be able to uh, assign the tum'at to just one of them because there's no one to favor. But at the end of the day, what they're saying is he's not saying that it has to actually be large enough to fit Ogmil through in order to make that the door, doorway that's to me. He's saying if there were small doors and there's one that you know is the one that he's going to be fit through because you're going to have to open it wider, that assigns the tum'ah to that address. Okay, and now, um, as, but generally speaking, we don't make accommodations or we don't focus on the specific dimensions of the individual. It's a different, it, it, and that's why if a person eats a lot of food, we don't say therefore he has to have a lot of food for the You can use raw meat as your You can also use raw eggs. Sinai is a nickname for Rav Yosef who's called Sinai at the end of because he knew everything like it came from Sinai meaning he really he knew his stuff so that's what it was called. So Shtayim, he says, two eggs is enough. We said that if a person says that they're not going to have any mazon, any nourishing food, they can have water and salt. So that implies that anything besides water and salt is called mazon. Right? So the problem is, But didn't Rav and Shmuel say in Masechet Bechot that we only say the blessing of on things that have the five grains? Now according to this, that everything is called mazon except for water and salt. Why did they make that bacha only for, only for uh, grain? They should have made that bacha for everything. So they answered, Didn't we already respond to this once? Right? Meaning, uh, in Masechet Vachot, they had the exact same discussion. Right? That's true, you did bring this up in Masechet Vachot, but here's another source where we see that uh, from another Mishnah that water and salt are considered to be, uh, you know, the only things that are not Mazon, everything else is Mazon. In other words, in the Masechet Vachot, they asked over there also. 
Aren't there things that are considered mazon besides the five grains? And it said, well, here's another source that implies that everything besides water and salt is the five is is mazon. We're not talking about somebody who says I won't have mazon. You're right. Mazon is specifically referring to grains. It's kol hazan, anything that satisfies my hunger. Okay, it's talking about this this psychological state of hunger. Because everything will satisfy your hunger. That doesn't mean it's considered mazon. Mazon is specifically considered the nutritious kind of staple food of, of some kind of a uh, of grain. But it's not the same thing as anything that you could eat a lot of uh, apples and also feel full. But that's not necessarily called mazon because it's not the staple food. The famous perot of Ginosar, the famous fruits of Ginosar that were so good when we would go after Rabbi Yochanan to eat them. When we were a hundred, each one of us would take ten. And when we were ten, we would each of us take a hundred of the fruits. We would have to have a a uh, three se'ah basket uh, in order to hold a hundred of these fruits because they were very big. We would eat every single one. And Rabbi Yochanan would say, He would say, I, I swear, I didn't get satisfied from that. It was so, meaning you would eat these fruits and you, would, you could just eat them and eat them and eat them and, eat them and you never oh, feel no. full. Never, yeah, you never you eat a hundred and we keep eating it. Right? So you see from that that they also don't give you a, uh, a satisfaction. So it should say that the, if you say, I'm not going to have anything that satisfies my hunger, then, you, then it, that would not include water, that would not include salt, and also perot of ginusar, because obviously you can eat a million of them and not feel full. Right? So it says, no, Ema Mizona. He didn't say, I didn't feel any satisfaction of hunger. It's not that he felt hungry. It said, I didn't have a substance of a meal. It's like if a person has a large ice cream, a lot of ice cream, afterwards they say, yeah, you, don't, you might not feel hungry if you have a lot of ice cream, but that doesn't mean you had a meal, meaning you had desserts, right? So that's what he meant. I didn't have something which is really considered a meal. That's what it means, mazon. Now, Amar Ravuna, Amar Shrav, Ravuna Rav, if a person says, I swear I will not eat this loaf of bread, you can still use it for his Eovet Chumin. But But if you said this, Kikarzo, this, this uh, loaf is on me, meaning I forswear any benefit from this item, meaning I don't want to have any benefit from it at all. So then, um, that's the, uh, that means that I can't even use it for Eruvet Chumin because I, I said that I can't have any benefit from it. Okay? Now, maybe they raise an objection. I know them, it says in a Brayta, if you make an oath that you're not going to partake of a loaf of bread, you can still use it for Eruv. So, my love, Damar Alai. And isn't the implication that the guy said, Kikarzo Alai? I don't want to have any benefit from it. Says lo the amar zo. It's just saying that he said this, meaning I will not eat from this. Okay, he just said I won't eat from it. But if he said I won't benefit from it, then he wouldn't be able to use it. Achinami mistabra. It makes sense. The katani sefa because at the end of that bright that says ematai bizman shamar shvashlo etamena because it says that applies when he says I won't taste from it. Fine. Aval amar alai. But what's the implication of the brighta? 
The implication is that if he had said, I won't benefit from it, then he can't use it. It's only that he said, I can't taste from it. Can't taste from it, fine, but you can, at least, but you can use it for Erov uh, Chomein. So he said, But then why at the end of the bright does it, does it bring the case? That if you said, this kikar, this loaf is hekdesh, I'm sanctifying it to the Beit HaMikdash, you can't use it as Erovet Chumin because you're not allowed to use something that you sanctify to the Beit HaMikdash. So why does it go to such an extreme case? There's a simpler case. According to you, there's a much simpler case where you're not allowed to use it. Right? We wouldn't have to go to the, to the laws of Hekadesh. If I say I'm not going to eat this loaf, I'm still allowed to use it for Erovet Chumin. But if I say I'm not going to benefit from it, then I can't even use it for Erovet Chumin. Right? Why does it have to bring in Hekdesh? Oh, if you said this is Hekdesh, well, why bring Hekdesh? Right? So the implication is that any oath that I make, even if I say I'm not going to benefit, I'm still allowed to, uh, to use it for Yobet Chumin. And it's only if I said it's Hekdesh that I can't. So Amalach Avuna, Avuna will tell you, Elamai, so what are you telling me? And you're going to tell me that if a person says, I'm not going to benefit from this kikar, that marvin, that he can actually still use it. What about the beginning? In the beginning it said that, what are we talking about? Where he said, that I'm not going to taste it. Right? And that, that's what we said. So it says, this is really what it should say. A person who swears that they're not going to have, you know, partake, let's say, of a, of a loaf, he can use it for a roof. Even if he said a lie, it says, if he said, I'm not going to taste it, meaning that's what the Brayta means according to the people against Rav Huna. They'll just say there's no difference if he said, I'm not going to benefit or if he said, I'm not going to taste it. It's all the same. Okay, he's still allowed to utilize it for Eruvet Chomin as long as he didn't make it Hekdesh. That's what the rabbis are saying. Rav Hunada was saying, no. If you say you're not going to benefit, you can't use it. So, Mikol Makom Kashel Rav What is Rav going to do? Amala, so it says, Huda Mark Rabbi Eliezer. He's following Rabbi Eliezer. The Tanya says, Nebrite Rabbi Eliezer. Omer Shwashlo, Chalkikazo Marvin Loba. Kikazo Alai and Marvin Loba. Then Rabbi Eliezer said, that if a person says, I'm not going to partake of this, Loaf, he can still use it. But if he says, alai, that I'm not allowed to have any benefit from this loaf, then he can't use it anymore. Umi Rabbi Eliezer, did Rabbi Eliezer really say that? That this is the rule, said the Braita. If a person prohibits himself from partaking of a food, Marvin Lobai could still use it for Yovet Chumin. Right? But Ochel, Ochel Marvin But if a food is prohibited on the person, meaning to say, if it is prohibited in benefit, Okay, then you, you cannot use it for your, uh, for your Eruv. That's, a, that's the, Rashi says, what does it mean? In other words, according to this Tana, if you say I'm not going to benefit from it, you can't use it. And Rabbi Eliezer says, Kikarzo alai marvin loba. Kikarzo ekdejen marvin loba. He said, this, if, if you said this kikar is prohibited to me, you can still use it. Only if you said this kikar is hekdesh, you can't use it. So what's the point? According to this version, the, the Braita, the first part of the Braita is supporting the opinion against Rafuna. Because it's saying that even if you say I'm not going to benefit from this kikar, you still could use it as Erovet Chumin. And Rabbi Eliezer in this Braita is saying no. Right? He's saying that you, there's a difference. I'm sorry. The first, the first part of the Brayta is supporting like Rav Huna, 
was saying that if you that if you prohibit it in benefit, you're not allowed to use it. And, this, and Rabbi Eliezer in this Brayta is actually supporting against Rav because he's saying that even if you said I won't benefit from it, you still are allowed to use it for Yerovet Chumin. So we have a contradiction in Rabbi Eliezer because in the previous Brayta, Rabbi Eliezer was agreeing with Rav Huna and he was saying that there's a difference between whether you say I won't, I won't enjoy this, I won't eat this kikar versus whether you say I won't benefit from it. And when you say I won't eat it, you could still use it for Eruv, but if you say I won't benefit from it, you can't. And in this Brayta, Rabbi Eliezer is going the other side. And he's saying that the Tanakhama is saying what Rav Huna says, but Rabbi Eliezer in the second Brayta is saying, no, whether you say I'm going to eat it, I'm not going to eat it, or you say I'm not going to benefit from it, it's the same thing. And the outcome is that you're not allowed to use it for Eruvet Chumin. I mean, that you're allowed to use it for Eruvet Chumin unless you said it's Hekdesh, right? So that's against Rav Huna, because Rav Huna was saying that if you said I won't benefit from it, you can't use it, right? So therefore, you're going to have to conclude that Tretana Eva Alibad Rabbi Eliezer. There were two different versions of Rabbi Eliezer. So Rav Huna was taking one of the two versions of Rabbi Eliezer, which is the one that distinguishes between if a person says I won't eat this loaf, they could still use it. But if a person says I won't benefit from this loaf, they can't use it. And according to the other rabbis, both of them are the same. You're allowed to use it in both cases. It doesn't matter. That's the... Uh, now, Rashi says um, that uh, uh, in, a, in a second version here, that really there's another version where it says, no, if he said, I can, I can use it, it's because because you're not allowed to make Eruvet Chumin unless it's for Edvar Mitzvah. And we say, Mitzvot lav lehanot nitnu. It's not considered a benefit to, uh, uh, in other words, it's not considered an, a personal enjoyment to do a mitzvah. And since you're only allowed to make Eruvet Chumin to extend your techum in order to go to a shiur or do some other mitzvah. So therefore, if the person said, uh, even if the person said, I won't benefit from this kikar, he's still allowed to use it for Eruvet Chumin because, um, because it's not considered to be a personal enjoyment. It's considered to be a, uh, it's considered to be a mitzvah. And that's why Rashi, Rashi says at the end, right? It's a, so we're not worried about the, uh, the, the benefit aspect because he's not really, um, he's not really benefiting from it. But either way, that's the machloket. Are you allowed to use something that you're not, that you said I won't benefit from? So it's seemingly the way Rashi is interpreting it is that that's the issue at hand. Whether it's considered mitzvah, whether it's considered, oh, well, since it's for a mitzvah, it's not really a benefit. Or do we say that since it's, you know, he's doing it, the, the food is supposed to be his mazon and, and he's doing it for his own, his own choice, so we consider it to still be, a, uh, still be a benefit. And therefore we wouldn't be able to use it. But in any case, now we get, but in general, generally speaking, something doesn't have to be edible to you to use it for Eurovay like we learned, and that's what we're going to discuss now, because it says, you can use wine for a... Uh, for a Nazir can, can use wine for his Erovet Chumin, even though he can't drink it. Our Mishnah doesn't follow Beit Shammai. According to Beit Shammai, contrary to our Mishnah, you cannot use wine for a Nazir's Erovet Chumin, and nor can you use uh, a Truma for a Yisrael. Beit says you can't. So don't you agree that you can make an Eruvet Chumein on Yom Kippur even though you're not allowed to eat. So obviously the food doesn't have to be something you can actually eat that day because you're allowed to put food. Let's say you want to go to a different synagogue on uh, the part of Yom Kippur so you put a, uh, uh, or want to go to a Shi'ur so you put uh, uh, an Eruvet Chumein. But you have to do it before of course but we're talking about before but the fact is it's food. The whole concept of Eruvet Chumin is I'm saying that I'm spending Shabbat in this place by putting food there. The implication is I might eat the food there. 
right? Because I'm putting the food there. Now on Yom Kippur, obviously, you can't eat any food. So how could you say it counts? So says, you can't. Huh? What's the problem? Oh, because you can eat any food. It doesn't have to be bread. You can put any food. Right, so Aval means yes, indeed, you're right, right? But they said, Rashi says, Emet. It means true, right? So they said, so just like you can do that, you can have a Yisrael use Truma and you can have a Nazir use Yayin. There's a difference. Because when you set the Eruvet Chumin, it was still Mibod Yom, it was still daytime. So at that moment, when you set the Eruvet Chumin, you could still eat, because it wasn't Yom Kippur yet. But, at, right, so therefore it made sense. But when it, but it, when it comes to a, a Nazir putting wine, or a Yisrael putting Truma, the, he wasn't able to eat it at the time that he put it, right? So therefore you can't compare those two examples. Now it says, Keman. Who, according to whom, is this discussion where it describes Beit Shammai as agreeing with the concept of Eruvet Chumin, but just saying that you have to use food that you're allowed to eat? So it's not Hanani because the 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 Tanya Hanania Omer Kol Atzman Shel Beit Shammai Lo Ayu Modim Beiruf Ad Shiyotim Mitato Vekol Klei Tashmishav Lesham. According to Rabbi Hanania, according to Hanania, Beit Shammai said you're only allowed to bring. You're only allowed to do Erovet Chumin if you put your bed and everything you're going to need for Shabbat in that spot. In other words, what is the idea of Erovet Chumin? The idea is, I'm spending Shabbat in this place. So you have to actually bring like all of your stuff to that place. You can't just put a piece of bread in the place and say, I'm spending Shabbat there. He didn't agree with that. According to Hananiah's interpretation of Beit Shammai, they're so strict that they said you actually have to like show that you're spending Shabbat there. Right? Keman Azlahaditanya. Who's, uh, according to whose opinion is the following right? If a person went to make the Eruv in black clothing, she says, Because one of the ways you can make an Eruv by the way, you don't have to put food. You can go to the place that you wanted to put the Eruv Let's say 2,000 Amot outside the city. You sit there until Shabbat starts. And that's called Liknot Shvita. Bamakom, you, you acquired your resting in that place. You, you established yourself. So the food is something you can leave there and then you don't have to be there when Shabbat starts because the food is like your shaliach. It's there. But if you yourself personally went and sat at the tchum for the uh, beginning of Shabbat and then you walk back to your house so that you started Shabbat in that place, it's, it also works. But he says, if, what? You have to wait for the Shabbat to start. Yeah. So yeah, sunset. And then you go back home. So it says, if you did that in black clothing, you can't now go out with white clothing. In other words, only what you were wearing when you did it counts. Everything that you had with you when you went there is included, right? In that extension of the tchum. But everything you didn't is not. So if you went with white clothing, do it. So you can't wear black clothing. So it says, Right, so that's Hananiah according to Beit Shammai. In other words, Hananiah is saying that everything you need for Shabbat, you had to have at that spot at the beginning of Shabbat, even the clothes you're going to wear. So let's say the person uh, wore black clothing when he started Shabbat at the point of the Tchum, and now he goes back home. He's only allowed to have whatever on him he had at that time. Everything else isn't included in that Tchum that he made. So he can't wear now, like, because your vessels are also included in tchum. So whatever he wore to make the tchum, normally we say whatever you as a person made your place at that edge of that tchum. So anything you wear or whatever is just a part of you. It's just yours. 
But according to Beit Shammai, only the things that actually were there at the moment Shabbat started are considered to be you're, you know, included in this Eruv Tchumin. So therefore, if you wore a black suit, you can't wear a white suit, and vice versa, the next day, meaning you want to go past the Tchum, you put the, you, you went and sat 2,000 Amot outside the city because you want to go another 2,000 Amot in that direction the next day. You were wearing your black suit. You can't now go with your white suit. Only your black suit can go in that Tchum. That, so that's according to Hananiah's interpretation of Beit Shammai. Ule Hananiah. No, instead of it. He's saying you, the food doesn't work according to Beit Shammai. According to Beit Shammai, food doesn't work. Now, according to Halakha, you can go yourself physically and sit there and make Eruv That works. That according to everybody works without food. That works according to everybody. But if you, go, but it's saying Beit Shammai doesn't hold by the food concept. He only holds by real sitting there or putting, putting your bed there. So according to this, you're saying that Hananiah says that you can't go out with shchorim. You can't go out with black clothes, but you can go with white clothes. Didn't he just say that you have to bring everything out to that place? You shouldn't be able to go at all. Meaning this guy went and he sat there with black clothes. That doesn't count according to Beit Shammai. According to Hananiah, you have to bring your bed. You have to bring everything that you need. So even if he went there with black clothes and he sat there till the beginning of Shabbat, according to Beit Shammai, that's not good enough. According to the way Hananya had it, you have to bring your bed and show that you're really going to be staying there. Right? So you shouldn't be able to go at all. Hachikamah is what it means. Erev bilvanim What it means was if you did a proper eruv, right? So uh, you went and you, uh, you, with your white suit. Vutzrach l'shchorim. Af bilvanim lo yetzei. Meaning, if you didn't have kol klei tashmishav, that's what he was saying. It doesn't mean that if you made your eruv with black clothing and you want to switch to your white suit in the morning, you can't, but you could wear your black suit. That's not what it means. It means that if you wore your black suit to make the eruv on the night of, on Friday night, and you put all your stuff there, and then in the morning, and then you realize when you got home, oh, I didn't want to wear my black suit tomorrow, I want to wear my white suit. But you didn't bring your white suit to the location of the eruv, so you didn't bring kol klei tashmishav lisham. You didn't bring everything you need for Shabbat over there. And if you didn't bring everything you need for Shabbat over there, then your whole Eruv doesn't count, according to this. In other words, according to Beit Shammai, anything you're going to need for the day needs to be there to show that it's part of the Eruv Chumin, including whatever clothes you're going to need to wear. So if you're going to wear the suit that you're wearing, fine. But if you're going to need a different suit, it invalidates your whole Eruv. It's not just that you can wear now only the black suit. It invalidates the whole Eruv because what you had there at the beginning of Shabbat is not what you wanted to bring with you past the Tchum. And so therefore it's not going to be good. That's according to Beit Shammai. Now Sumchus so said that Yisrael can only make their Eruv with Chulin, with not with Tumah. Vilul Nazir, we Palik, but he didn't argue about the Nazir. He said the Nazir could make Eruv Tchumin with wine, but Yisrael cannot make it with Tumah. Why? Because it's possible for a person to do Hatarat Nidarim, basically, and get out of Nazirut and they'd be able to drink the wine. If that's true, but isn't that also true for Tumah? That a person can go and say, this Tumah that I designated, I want to do Hatarat Nidarim on it and separate something different. You're allowed to do that also because it's like Hekdesh. The problem, the difference is that if the person who is in Nazir says, I don't want to be in Nazir anymore and he does Hatarat Nidarim and now he's not in Nazir, he can drink the wine. But if you have food that you separated as Tumah and you say, I want to do Hatarat Nidarim, I want to pick a different thing as the Tumah and I don't want this to be the Tumah, what happens? It just becomes Tevel again. It becomes untithed produce again. It doesn't become better, it becomes worse. Because you need to separate pro, you need to separate tumah from the produce. 
So what ended up happening is you just canceled out the mitzvah that you did, and now even the rest of the produce is all tevil. You didn't do anything good. You just reversed it. You made it worse. So it says, So why can't you do this? Have the food that you put at the Eruv Tchumein is, is Tuma. Go home and say, I, I, I designate something else in place of that. Swap it. So swap it. So what's the problem? It says, Because the general principle is, we don't assume Chavirim, meaning a person who is a proper halachic Jew will not separate Tuma from produce Using produce that is not right there. Minamukaf means that when you separate truma, it's supposed to be from what's right there. You're not supposed to go like down the street and say this. This is going to be truma for something that's a three blocks away. It's always supposed to be next to it. So if you put something at the eruvet chumin and then you say I hereby uh, retract, you know, I do hatarat nedarim. It's not truma anymore, and I designate this. You can't do that because you have to designate truma in with everything together. Right? So why can't you just say, okay, this truma that's right here, I do have to write nidarim on it, and I'm then and then just separate a little bit from that that's right there as your truma instead of the whole thing. He says you can't do that either because the late because there's not enough. Maybe there's not enough to also separate truma and to also leave you enough for the eruv tchumin. So he says, umay paska. How do you know that you're making a uh, you're making a rule? That you're, you're assuming a case where the person had exactly enough of two seudot food, and that if he separates even a little bit, he's not going to leave enough for the Eruv Tchumin. If he takes a little bit of a truma, you know. Rather, Sumchus holds, like the rabbis who said, that any gzerah the rabbis made is included, Ben Hashemashot is included. Meaning, even after sunset, it's still included. And therefore, you can't separate, when does the Eruv take effect? It basically takes effect at the moment during Ben Hashemashot, after the sunset. And at that time, you're not allowed to separate Truma anymore. So even if you had a lot of, even if the Truma was there, and even if you did Hatarat Nedarim, and therefore it reverted to be Tevil, and then you separated Truma again from that place, and there was enough for you to separate Truma again and leave over enough for Eruv Tchumin, it wouldn't be good because you're not allowed to separate Truma during that time. That's why. Who is the author of the following Mishnah? There are certain things that the rabbi said that go subjectively. In other words, there's not an objective measurement, there's a subjective measurement. It's up to you. When the Kohen takes a handful of the mincha, he doesn't have to take his big, one guy has small hands, one guy has big hands. It's not going to be, or the Kohen Gadol takes his hands full of ketoret. He doesn't, it doesn't need to be a specific measurement. It goes by that particular Kohen. And similarly, a person who drinks on Yom Kippur, it's a cheekful, right? A cheekful is the amount. One guy has big cheeks, Another person has small cheeks. It goes by their cheek, not somebody else. And also when it comes to the two meals of Eruv, it goes by what a person would eat. That sounds like it's subjective. It's not objective, it's subjective. Right? Uh, Rabbi Zerah says, this must be the opinion of Sumchus who said, that, you, that we go by what is worth what is valuable to that person. So just like we said, in order for the Eruv to be a kosher Eruv, it has to be made from Chulin, which the person could eat. So too, when it comes to the meal's quantity, it has to be of a quantity that that person is going to eat, which might be smaller than other people. Maybe this is in contradiction with what Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar said. You see over there that even though a person is a glutton, in other words, a sick person and, a sick, and, a, and an elderly person, you're allowed to give them less food for the Eruv because they don't eat that much. And that 
agrees with what, what we're saying. But what about the large person who eats a lot? He says, you don't have to put a lot of food for that person. So it says, You can apply it. You can say there is no machloket between Sumchus and Rabbi Shem ben Alazar. They both agree that if a person eats less, so they can have less in their Eruv Tchumin because they're not going to eat more. So giving them more is like pushing them beyond their limit and it's not, it's not Nezer. But a large person who eats 10 times the regular person, that even Sumuchus will agree, he, it doesn't have to be enough for that person to be satisfied. It has to be considered a meal. So relative, a person who eats like very, very little, it's a meal for them. But a, a, even a Ravtan is not going to say this food is not significant. It's just that he would always want more. So the fact that he would want more, we put that aside. But we ignore his desire for more and say that this is sufficient. Okay, but basically you would have to have, but a, a person who has a smaller appetite, a smaller amount of Eruv is considered acceptable for them. And so at the end of the day, the point was that, um, that, that sum, the whole reason why Sumuchus uh, disagrees with the rabbis and says that you can only use chulin, you can only use um, regular food for the eruv, it's not actually because the food has to be worthy of eating um, because right now, because he agrees that wine for an Azir would be okay because he can do Hatarat Nidarim. The problem is that in order to make it worthy of eating, you would have to do a halachic process which is forbidden, which would be you would have to first remove the truma from its status as truma, and then, you, which wouldn't by itself be a problem, but then you would have to re-separate truma in order to satisfy the obligation, otherwise it would be tevil again. And so there, that's what you're not allowed to do during Ben Hashemashot. So you're not going to be allowed to uh, permit it again. And that's why he said you're not allowed to, uh, to do it. But you see that ba- his basic concept is it has to be something you're able to eat, right? Without violating any halakha. And here you wouldn't be able to eat it without violating any halakha. Whereas the rabbis are not concerned about that because they agree in principle with what he says, seemingly, but they're not concerned that it has to be something that you'd be able to eat right now. Even if there are halachic barriers to you being able to eat it, they would still say that it's a food for somebody in the world that's good enough. For you, okay?